Our gospel for this Sunday comes from Luke, the third chapter. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what then should we do? In reply, he said to them, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized and they asked him, teacher, what should we do? He called, he said to them, collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what should we do? He said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God, our creator, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Every once in a while, something makes me stop and wonder how humans discovered certain things. For instance, I'll be eating a pancake and put syrup on it, and it makes me wonder who thought to open a tree or drill a hole in a tree and allow the sap to drain from it and then think, I bet if I boiled this for 24 hours and added sugar, it would taste really good. Sap by itself certainly does not taste good. And I think about how desperate and hungry someone must have been to try seaweed or mushrooms for the first time. I'm glad they did because I love sushi and I love mushrooms, but they certainly don't look very appetizing in nature. Well, this week I've been thinking about air. Air by itself isn't something you can see or touch or taste or smell or even hear necessarily until you stop and see the wind blowing through the trees. Feel a cool breeze on your skin on a hot day. Hear it ring a wind chime nearby. And you will definitely know when you don't have enough of it. I did a little more research about this and it was exactly by observing our surroundings and noticing the little things that scientists and philosophers throughout history have learned more about air. Aristotle observed animals and noticed how they breathed. 
Sir Francis Bacon and many others observed the connection between air and fire early on. And the brilliant Joseph Priestley, who actually was a pastor as well as a scientist, philosopher, and teacher, was the first to observe how air affected plants, leading to the discovery of oxygen and photosynthesis. In every one of today's readings, as well as in many other places throughout scripture, we are told that God is with us. In our reading from Zephaniah, we heard, the Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives you victory. In our reading from Isaiah, we heard, shout aloud and sing for joy, O royal Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. In our reading from Philippians, we heard, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. And then finally, in our gospel lesson for today, we heard, as the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. We hear over and over again that God is with us. The Lord is in our midst. Jesus is coming. And when we celebrate Christmas, we hear that Jesus will be called Emmanuel, which literally means God is with us. But perhaps some of you may wonder, as I do sometimes, then where is God? There was one such time that I remember with perfect clarity. I was doing my chaplaincy in the largest and only trauma three center at a hospital on the south side of Chicago, which meant that we got all of the gunshot wounds that came out of local fighting, and gang violence. And I was the chaplain on duty in the ER on the 4th of July in 2010. I was later told that the 4th of July actually was one of the always one of the craziest nights of the year, though I didn't know that at the time. And the ambulance radioed in that they were bringing a 22-year-old man into the ER who had been shot three times in the stomach and was the victim of a gang shootout. What's more, the gang members were following the ambulance to the hospital, threatening to come to the ER and finish the job. So as soon as the man was brought in on a stretcher, the police followed close behind to offer protection, shut the doors to the ER, and the entire ER was on lockdown. The doctors brought the young man into surgery right away, but were unable to save him. As the chaplain, it was my job to call in the family from the waiting room, and the mother and aunt were there that night, and make them feel comfortable until the doctor could come in and tell them the news. They were understandably worried, but due to HIPAA policies and all kinds of things, I was not allowed to say anything about the status of a patient because I was not the doctor, only that the doctor would be in shortly to tell them, give them an update and tell them what was going on. Shortly thereafter, I went in with the nurse and the doctor. 
And all the doctor had to say was, I'm sorry. And the mother fell to the ground screaming and crying in such pain and agony that I could feel it. I did not know if they were Christian or not. And the chaplaincy rules and training said that we're never supposed to force our own beliefs on anyone else, thereby using our position to proselytize. So I couldn't offer the comforting words that I was used to telling people. Don't worry, he's in heaven now. He's not in pain anymore. But to be honest, those words felt empty at that moment. And I don't think she was ready to hear words like that anyway, even if she was a Christian. So I just sat on the floor on the opposite side of the aunt next to the mother, laid my hand on her shoulder and repeated over and over again, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And when I finally came home that night, I just wept in Jeremy's arms for an hour. And I couldn't help but ask myself, where was God in that situation? I couldn't feel God. I couldn't see God. I felt as though God was absent. But later, after processing the story with my chaplaincy peers at the hospital and talking about it with my counselor, the suggestion was made that God was in me and that my simple touch and just sitting on the floor with her while she cried, being present with her, that that was evidence that God was in the room. Today, this sentiment is echoed in both our reading from Zephaniah and Isaiah. You see, the Hebrew word translated as in your midst, which we've heard twice, doesn't mean that God is just around you or floating in the air between people in a group. This word also means deep within your body your soul, at the seat of your thoughts and emotions, literally your gut. The Lord is within you. God is inside of you, dwelling within you. You are God's house, God's tabernacle. And still, it's difficult to tell how God is there sometimes. How do we know that God is really in us? Well, similar to scientists and others who simply observe and pay attention to what's going on around them, I believe God reveals God's self to us in simple ways. And we can find God when we really pay attention. And not only can we find God in the little things, but we can also share God and be the presence of God in the little things as well. I believe this is what John was trying to say in his own very gruff way, of course, to the people who came to him asking, what must we do to prepare for the Messiah, for this kingdom you talk about? Because if you notice, nothing that John says and suggests None of these things are really big or huge things that people must do or things that try to test someone's faith. Instead, they're simple things that anyone can do. Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Don't hoard things, 
Share with others if you have plenty. Collect no more taxes than the amount prescribed for you. In other words, make sure you're treating everyone fairly. Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation and be satisfied with your wages. Now an important side note on this one. The soldiers were the ones who asked that question and the soldiers of that day were very well paid and were able to support their families. But many soldiers would take advantage of the power and authority they had to extort money, harass people, blackmail people into giving them even more. So this is not speaking about workers who were unpaid and deserved better wages. John is not telling them, well, just be satisfied with what you get. But instead, John is talking to people who received very good wages and were abusing their power to get more. John wasn't saying abuse. John was saying, don't abuse that power and authority you have, but instead use it to serve and protect people. Share with those who have less. Because it is in the little things that we do, the love and presence and care that we share with others, that God shines through us and that we see God truly. So people of God, whenever your faith wavers, when you feel like you can't see or hear or feel the presence of God, I challenge you to first stop, take deep breaths in and out. Remember the air that is moving through your body that you cannot see. Remember that Jesus' spirit lives inside of you. Observe the good that is in the world and perhaps even do something good or share something with someone that day to remind you that God lives inside of you. It is because of this that we can rejoice in the Lord always. Amen.